This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, May 12th, 2023. I am David Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker. A lot to get into. All right. So the headline of the show is, you know, I, this defense looks loaded to me when I when I analyze this defense. I'm curious to get your take on it. I don't see a weakness. Um, and I, I see a lot of depth. I see strengths at each level. Pretty good combination. I don't see a weakness and I see a lot of strengths and depth. Uh, depth um what are your thoughts do you concur with that i do dave i think this defense has the potential to be lights out i mean you let's start on the 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 front side you look at the defensive line you got if you look at if you're to believe the mock drafts that are out there right now in the early mock drafts you got a lot of people that has uh jt pegged as a first rounder mike paul as a first rounder tyleek williams as a borderline first rounder maybe second rounder some people believe that Jack Sawyer playing at his natural position, you're going to see an elevated uh, game from him. So if Jack is really uh, ready to step up, then boom. And then you throw in the younger guys, Dave, and Kenyatta Jackson, who many believe is the most gifted pass rusher on the roster. And then talk about the defensive tackles. you got a bevy of guys that's going to be able to get into that rotation there. We saw the linebacker play pick up. Can we get some C.J. Hicks on the field? I think he brings a different athleticism to the linebacking core. Tommy's going to be solid. He's going to be in contention to be an all-Big Ten linebacker. And then the back end, can they clean up the, the fundamentals? I think they can. Having Davidson Ignosa coming over to compete at that corner position is going to be uh, pushing Jordan Hancock. Safeties, we talked about this day, what, we're three deep <laughs> at three safety spots right now. We, we account for Jahad Carter coming in. So I do think they're absolutely loaded. Now the question is, can Jim Knowles get those guys playing at a high level, and will Jim Knowles dial back the aggression of leaving guys out on the island when the game's on the line? Will he dial back the uh, degenerate blitzes that we tend to see from him? I know he said, you know, pre-spring, pre-spring um, post-winter that he said one of the things that he needs to work on as a defensive coordinator is picking and choosing his right spots when he's willing to be aggressive. That was one of his weakness. Um, I do believe that it potentially cost Ohio State a national championship in that Georgia game uh, with him being overly aggressive. So as long as he can dial it back, play uh, coach within the game and understand the down and distance in the situation – there should be no reason why this is not a top 10 defense. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, is there any concern at all? I mean, D tackle depth was a concern. Now it's not. They're getting Tywon Malone. Not that he's going to come in and be uh, gangbusters, but he's going to provide quality depth. Is there any possible weakness that you could see arising? No, I mean, I was I was telling somebody I was actually on the Bill King show uh, yesterday, Dave, and he always asked about you and talking about the defensive tackle depth. I mean, I cannot remember a time at Ohio State where you had this many 300 plus big bellies as as our old good friend Dwayne Long from the Metro Sports and shout out to the poster who gave him um, an acknowledgement. He was always high on Taiwan Malone, Dave. And getting him in there at 305, you look at Hero Canoe, who's pushing 305. Tyleek Williams messaged me, say he'll play at 320 this year, and he's feeling really good about where he's at right now as far as his conditioning. And then you got true freshman Katie McDonald coming in. He's going to be 310. There's a lot of smoke out there on the streets right now that says Jason Moore has arrived at about 290. I mean, you look at him, Dave, 6'6", 290. Uh, there was a question if he's going to play on the inside or the outside. He hasn't even really hit the strength and conditioning program of Coach Mickey and a nutritionist. So if he arrived at 290 in good shape, I can't see a situation where he's not going to be pushing 300. So you're potentially looking at four, five maybe guys at 300 plus. So they definitely got bigger in the middle. Um, and I will say this about Larry Johnson, Dave. He's, a, he's another coach that needs to be aware of the situations around him. Yes, it's okay to rotate guys, but in critical situations, you need your best players on the field. There were many times where it was third and long and JT was off the field for Javante G. Baptiste or your Mike Hall was off the field for Jerron Cage. Those situation awareness is what I thought killed Ohio State's defense. So I'm all, I'm all for getting a solid rotation. But when you got to have it moment, when you need to pin your ears back and get up to quarterback, I need my best guys up there up front. But as we progress throughout the season, go ahead and rotate some of those big body defensive tackles. If you can develop some depth and guys are actually out there making plays, that's when you start talking about the SEC as far as Georgia having a deep rotation of guys that are ready to make an impact. You nailed it. You know, and – I mean, Teron Vincent, I hate to like pick on him, but like he's a great example of what we're talking about. He didn't just play a lot last year. He led the defensive tackles and snaps by a considerable margin, I believe. Um, and he's an undrafted free agent, was not productive. It wasn't like he was like an undrafted free agent, but man, he was a hell of a college player, just wasn't undrafted free agent. It's like, no, wasn't very productive, even as a fifth year senior, former five star recruit, and goes undrafted. And I, I mean, they only had, as you know, they only had one player drafted off the defense. That's Zach Harrison in the third round. So I think right. Jim Knowles, now he's got the talent. These guys that were maybe a, a year too young, um, they're now a year older. Um, you know, guys like Kenyatta Jackson, they weren't ready to play because he just needed to put on weight. As you mentioned, I think he's going to have a really good year, um, even if he's a backup, which he probably will be. But, yeah, I mean, I can't stress it enough. They only lost one defensive player to the draft, and it was Zach Harrison in the third round. Yeah, it, and you can make an argument that this is a product of the lack of development on that side of the football over the last several years. You look at the Kerry Combs, um, you know, situation, and I think that really caused the defense to take a major step back, not only in development, but also in recruiting. But now you got the horses, Dave. Ride your horses, man. It's like you, you show up to a Kentucky Derby and, you, and you're putting your stud horses in the stable when it's a gotta have it moment, like, hey, 
give me best on best. Let me have my top guys out there making an impact. And as you mentioned, Vincent, you know, thank you for everything that you did as a Buckeye and all the effort that you provided. But give me Ty Leak all day. I don't care if Ty Lee might be in a wrong gap. That's why you got Tommy out there. Tommy is supposed to be the coach on the field in the middle. If Tommy sees that Ty Leak is lined up in the wrong gap, there shouldn't be a reason why your veteran linebacker can't give him a tap on the butt to say, hey, slide over, get into the right gap. But if you look at Ty Lee, he has the potential, you know, to be a Quentin Williams type uh, from Alabama with the Jets, who's dominant in the middle with that 320 size. So if you're if Ty Lee's telling me that he's feeling good and he's ready to play at a high level at 320, he has the potential, Dave, to be an absolute force if he's really in that top shape and he can handle that weight. And if that's true, only time I really want to see Tyleek coming out the game if, if he's tapping his helmet and say, hey, give me one. Let me get a blow. And if so, give me another three, 300-plus pounder defensive tackle in there to give him uh, a quick blow. Speaking of 300-plus defensive tackles, let's talk about him. Let's talk about Tywon Malone. Listen at 6'4", 305, I'm told – He's at least 315. Like maybe they'll get him down <laughs> a little bit. But they said there's no way he's actually 305. So he's probably more like 315. Hero Canoe came in at 315 last year. He's slimmed down, as you mentioned. He's lost some uh, some body fat. He's down to about 305, 308, right around there. Ty Leak, 320, as you mentioned. I love it. Let's talk about Tywon Malone and um, Hero Canoe. I think that's going to be a good battle for the final spot on the two deep. I think the two best defensive tackles – on the team, as I think most people would agree, Tyleek Williams and Mike Hall. And then they like Ty Hamilton a lot. If he's not a starter, he'll at least be the number three D tackle. I think Tyleek and Mike Hall have to be the starters, but Ty Hamilton's a solid player. He'll be that number three. What, who do you think is going to be that number four? Do you think it's definitely going to be Tywon Malone, or do you think Hero Canoe can possibly uh, get that final spot on the two deep? I think it's going to be a battle. I mean, if you if you're looking – if you look at some of the videos out there, Hero's over there training in Germany right now. And for a guy his size, if you see his feet, I mean, like, my goodness, if he can, act, if the light ball can come on and he understands the game, Hero has the potential to be uh, a heck of a ball player here to give you some solid minutes. But you look at Taiwan, um, I do think that with him giving up baseball day, this is going to really accelerate his development. That was the thing down at Ole Miss trying to be a two-sport athlete, not really focusing on football. Now he's going to be able to, you know, really live in that strength and conditioning program, really get his nutrition down pat, focus on football. And at that point, the sky's the limit for him. He's coming from Ole Miss where um, uh, Randall, the, uh, the, the defensive line coach, used to be a former uh, GA at Ohio State under Larry Johnson. So I'm sure that those guys did their due diligence reaching out to Ole Miss to see what type of kid he is, see what type of player he is. That's just type of, you know, the relationships in the industry. If you got a prior relationship with a coach and the kid wants to transfer, you, you would be mistaken not to at least do your due diligence to check in on them. So I think, you know, with Ole Miss probably saying, hey, you know, if you can convince him to, to uh, drop the baseball bat and focus on the football, there's a there's a guy right there that is going to provide you solid depth this year. And then next year, uh, you can go ahead and focus on him being a potential starter down the line. But I love it. Um, you know, we've missed on defensive tackles, you know, some of the higher end guys in, in the past. But if you look at that roster right now, I think it's absolutely loaded, especially in the middle. Yeah, I mean, th that feels like it was the final piece. And, you, you know, you're uh, 
your defense was already loaded when your final piece, you're wondering who the, the you know, the fourth D tackle is going to be. You know, I've, and you know, we said it on the show many times. It's like if they stayed healthy at D tackle, they would have been okay. But if all of a sudden they lost a guy or two, they would have been in trouble. Now they they won't be. You, you had a quality yeah. guy like Tywon Malone. So that was that was huge getting getting him in the portal. They just did a, a bang-up job in the portal overall. Go that ahead. Is. I was going to say before we move on, Dave, how about the meltdown on the Miami 24-7 board when, when Tywon Malone committed to Ohio State? I mean, you had guys just absolutely – waving the white flag on the Miami 24-7 board because they were projecting him to be a, a, a penciled-in starter if he were to commit there, and Ohio State was able to convince him to come to Ohio State to be a rotational player. But I have to I have to say this, Dave. Shout-out to the Ohio State NIL Collective. I do think that uh, both collectives right now working together um, are securing some of these kids. I think that with the collectives at Ohio State really trending in the right direction, Ohio State is very dangerous, Dave, because you're talking about, okay, a power of a brand right now that has the potential to be an absolute monster. Now they're starting to figure out that NIL. Now they're really starting to maneuver in the the transfer portal. So if you're an Ohio State fan and you're looking at, hey, this guy may transfer or we see a hole, now that Ohio State got that NIL, aspect dialed down and their understanding the transfer portal they can go and pluck somebody who enters the portal you know next season and fill a hole like that so i I, i'm i have to make sure that i give those nil collective guys a shout out because i do think they're doing an absolute bang up job right now no doubt about it it's amazing how quickly things change huh five six ago we were like man like what ohio state's Falling behind, are they going to catch up? It seemed like Ryan Day was frustrated about it. Mark Pantoni was frustrated about it. And then, boom, you're right. I mean, the foundation who we're affiliated with, the Bucknuts, full disclosure, for those that don't, that don't know, we have a partnership with them. It's not like a business transaction or anything. We're just partners with them, the foundation. Uh, they're doing great things. The 1870 Society is doing great things. And now you're seeing them reap the benefits. I heard the same thing you did with Tywon Malone. Um, he was able to secure a good NIL deal here. And who are they going up against? Miami, who we were thinking were just, you know, well, good luck going up against Miami if it's about NIL, right? Well, right. not much. So I'm not saying that he got maybe what he would have received at Miami. I don't know. I don't know. But Ohio State's at least in, in the ballpark, if not matching, if not exceeding what some of these kids are being offered at other programs. So a lot's changed in, in a short period of time. So as you mentioned, Jay, but kudos to the collectives out there at Ohio State. They're doing a great job. All right. We talked defense. I want to get your thoughts on this real quick. Um, I probably asked you this before, but where are you at with the O-line leaving spring? We didn't have you on the show last week. You were uh, um, on vacation. Like, are you? Where's your concern level, if at all, with this O-line? I feel a little bit better getting the tackle out of the portal. I do think that it's going to be a work in progress. feel pretty good about the interior guys. I think they're going to be solid there. The tackles is going to be the question mark because I don't think they have it figured out. Uh, could you see a situation where Fryer moves over to the right side now, where he, whereas he was repping on the left side all spring? Uh, I think he may be more of a natural right tackle. The kid that they brought in from San Diego could potentially swing over to the left. But I just think that getting that extra body in there for competition is going to bode well for those younger guys, um, Tegra and Zen. That's going to push them. Um, I'm just happy that nobody left. Uh, besides being Chrisman out of the portal. So you're still going to be able to d- develop those guys. Um, I- I'm not comfortable yet, Dave. I do think that we're going to need Justin Fry to really show his A game as an offensive line coach. 
it's not his fault that the offensive line room was left in the situ in the position that it's in. But with him being paid the money that he's being paid and the expectations at Ohio State, he's going to go ahead. He's going to need to be able to develop those guys and elevate them to another level because at the end of the day, you can be as loaded as you want to at the running back room, have the two best wide receivers in the country, um, have the most dynamic playbook. But if come November, if you can't move bodies out the way up front, really doesn't matter, especially against Michigan. And if you get into the playoffs, especially against a Georgia or Alabama. So it's going to come down to the offensive line, win or lose. If they can figure it out, they have a shot to be right back in the playoffs. Uh, if not, then I can easily see them dropping two games because of that offensive line. All right, last thing on the show. This is interesting. This came out of nowhere yesterday. The, there's been uh, it's been quiet on the conference expansion front for a while, but our old friend Brett McMurphy dropped this nugget. Um, he said that he says he has multiple sources saying that Oregon and Washington have been approved for Big Ten admittance. But the invite has been delayed. The official invite's been delayed for a, a few reasons. We don't need to get into all the reasons, but basically they want to make sure they get a lower payout, lower cut of the TV money, and there's some other things involved as well. So um, basically the Big Ten has it what they want to. They can add Washington and Oregon at any time they want. If that happens, what would you think about that? One, I was like, hey, this is this is going to be awesome, Dave. I mean, I'm all for shaking it up a little bit and making it more fun. I mean, the Big Ten would, would definitely be top to bottom, in my opinion, the best conference. Yes, you got SEC out there with Texas and Oklahoma, but I thought the Big Ten did a, a bang-up job countering that with UCLA and USC. If you're able to go ahead and capture that Pacific Northwest market, Dave, I just think that it's going to bring the Big Ten to the forefront of being the most interesting conference in college football. You're talking about coast to coast there. Uh, if that's to happen, Dave, it makes sense on why they're dialing back the requirements for forcing teams to have to not play uh, a non-power five conference. So you look at the 12 team playoffs, there's going to be a lot of times where you're not going to play uh, some of these Big Ten teams. But if they do away with divisions, Dave, you add Oregon, you add Washington, it's going to be absolute fistfights to get into that Big Ten championship, and I'm all for it. I'm all for J-Book. Great stuff as always, my friend. Thank you to J-Book. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Appreciate you guys very much. Hope everyone has a great weekend, especially the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day on Sunday to all the mothers out there, including my mom. Happy Mother's Day, Mom, including my wife. Happy Mother's Day, Molly. Uh, thanks again to J-Book. Happy Mother's Day to your wife, J-Book. And um, happy Mother's Day to all of the Bucknut mothers out there. And uh, appreciate you guys very much. Hope everyone has a great weekend. <laughs>